everyone. Welcome to Facilitating Extraordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and we've got an extra special episode today. I'm joined by two of my absolute favorite people, Jane Pope, the president and CEO from Hill Country Memorial Hospital, and Jan Johnson, president and CEO of Jordan Johnson, Inc. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Travis. Yeah. Jane, I, I know your ears are probably often burning because I've shared this story with so many different people and so many different organizations. And I'm just going to jump right in and share it with this episode because it was such a moment for me when this happened last year, right when the pandemic hit. Um, you know, we had planned a lot of work with you and your organization going into 2020. We had a lot of improvement um, events lined up, Kaizen events, rapid improvement events. And I made the phone call to you when the pandemic hit. And one of the first things I said to you was, Jane, I don't see how we're going to be able to do all of this work in a virtual world. I don't think I finished that sentence before you made a comment by saying, Travis, we don't have a choice. Our patients and our communities are counting on us. And I was embarrassed at first to share, share that story because I was like, how would you be so silly to say that? to a CEO in the beginning, but I was so used to the way that we've done this work in the past. At that moment in time, I couldn't see a way forward. And I just wanted to thank you again for that moment of leadership for me, because um, it really did have an impact on my life. I've shared it with Jan, and I think it actually served as a catalyst for our organization to innovate and to try and do new things like the performance excellence operating system, like creating these virtual Kaizen events. So um, that was my personal defining moment in leadership. And I was wondering if you ever had similar moments in your life, defining moment. I absolutely did, Travis. And by the way, you sell yourself short with that. Your agility and ability to respond to that request was uh, amazing. And truly we got, when I think about that Kaizen event, the outcomes of that, we still are living and the reaping the rewards from. So thank you for your resiliency and your agility in that. So if you, if you were to ask me a defining moment in my leadership, I, um, by trade, I'm a nurse, and I'm proud to say I'm a nurse. And uh, I was a nurse leader as a med-surg nurse leader years ago. And I had a, our chief nurse call me and ask me if I would lead the uh, perinatal department, which was our, our pinnacle program. And I remember saying to her, I, I don't have a perinatal background. And she said to me, Jane, I'm not asking you to come be the nurse. I'm asking you to be their leader. And what I learned through that experience, and it has defined every, every place I've gone and every role I've been in is that you have to trust those at the point of service. And so I needed to learn the skills to ensure that I didn't have to be the clinical expert. I had the clinical experts. I had to use my leadership skills to draw out their gifts. And I found when I became, so shared governance, shared leadership got its start in uh, the nursing, uh, nursing practice. And I found when I became the CEO I almost didn't know how to lead, Travis. It was, how do I create a shared governance, shared leadership environment that is whole system, not only focused on nursing? And once we got our whole system shared governance, it has become more natural. We've got great products. We've got great results because those closest to the work 
are driving the decisions and that it's my role as a leader to draw their gifts from them. And really my mantra is to make heroes out of others. And that's what we see at Hill Country Memorial. Yeah. And, and Jane, you're, you're just so effortless in that. And I wrote down, you pull, you pull gifts from others. And even it's so unconscious to you that you did it for me, just right there. <laughs> when I said that I was shameful for stay, telling that story, you were able to call out, that was an example of resiliency and, you know, for, like, that's great. And it's just so natural for you how you respond to that question. And it highlights, you know, you were able to pull out something that I, w- I wasn't seeing. And in full disclosure, I was not thinking about resiliency or any of that when, when we had the, when the, you know, but now maybe I can, maybe I can sh- shift that story. I won't, but um, I think, I think that's great. And um, I know I get the opportunity to see you do that with your team and the people at Hill Country um, often. So I, I think that's just a, a beautiful response. Thinking about kind of more organizational and performance excellence, I know you've led Hill Country to the highest levels of organizational and performance excellence. If, if you could define or talk through, what do you think really differentiates you from the pack? Yeah, that's a good question and one that we have contemplated in Uh, We really, as we think about the Baldridge criteria, we looked at our core competencies and um, this organization's ability to execute is second to none. And really, it's their heart that drives them and their ability to execute and that ability to build relationships. And what I see with our team, our providers, is building those relationships and then knowing what the right thing to do and being able to do it quickly. And I think that has been a key part of our success. And we want to perform well. So that performance excellence, is it drives us. But along with that is that ability to pull the trigger and execute on it. Yeah. yeah. Jane, that's a great lead into a question that I would have for you. I will never forget, I had worked with you guys for about two years when you won Baldridge, and then we continued to work with you, and I was um, coming in to facilitate our first quarterly business review after you had become a national Baldridge recipient. So you had just been declared the best of the best, and I came in that day, and I could tell you were just really out of sorts, and you were kind of slamming things around in the kitchen a little bit, and... Um, I remember you coming into the room and I could just tell by the expression on your face that something was wrong. So I opened with Jane. It seems like you've got something on your on your heart. What's what's going on here? And I will never forget your words because you said our customer service results are in the toilet. I remember that exact quote. And I'm thinking, my gosh, your your results were, you had the best age cap scores in the nation just three months ago. How could they already be in the toilet? And I said, well, how bad are you? How bad are those results? And you said, well, we have one of our domains that is at 89%. And I remember laughing, which was not the result, the, the response you were hoping for. But I remember thinking, my gosh, most of my clients, if they were at the 89th percentile, they would be celebrating that. And you were ready to just take your whole team to task for that. 
So and I have to temper that. Oh, certainly. I remember yeah. that vividly as well, Jen. Yeah, it was such a defining moment, I think, for both of us, Jen. Yeah. And, and it was so, I, it, I have told that story thousands of times because you have such a personal passion for excellence. And you, you really, as a leader, won't accept anything less than that. What has, what has made you that kind of a leader? Yeah, um, well, what I really know at the end of every one of those numbers, and their numbers, is a patient, is the community we serve. And so when I see that we were maybe at the 97th or 98th percentile, and then drop to the 89th percentile, yeah, that's a score and a scorecard. There's a whole bunch of people associated with that, that we did not meet and exceed their expectations. And they, frankly, those we serve have high expectations of us. That's one of the reasons we perform so well is our community expects the best from us and it's up to us to deliver it. And so what drives me is this organization started by coins in a jar, people going door to door collecting coins to create their organization. They want the best care. They don't want average care. They want the best care. And no 89th percentile is an average. But if you're used to 80, 97th, 89th is a drop. And that I have to balance making sure that I set the bar high and not at the same time um, having the team be so deterred from not meeting goal. And so that's been a learning for us. It's been a big learning for me. Uh, through this journey, but um, what drives me is the people and the community at the end of it. And really that's what drives our team as well. Um, and that's why we perform like we perform. Yeah, and, and I love the, the end of that story was in that QBR, you guys put together an action plan for what you were gonna do about it. You executed that action plan. And at the next QBR, your results looked very different. So yeah. I th I've, I've seen the leadership that you provide to your team and how that leadership turns into action and how those actions turn into outcomes. It's back um, to that execution. And yeah. as leaders, we know they know how to work back to the uh, shared governance. The team knows how to do it. We have to draw out from them and help them get there. Yeah. That leads me to another question, because I remember a moment when we were going into strategic planning and I was going to be facilitating that. And you had shared a number of articles for your team to read to prepare for the discussions in the strategy sessions. And I remember that morning you opened up with, guys, I know you've all read these articles. And one of the things I took away was that we have to learn to fail fast and fail cheap. So how do you guys go about failing fast and failing cheap? One of the things that we've integrated with that is we have, as an executive leadership team, we have some guiding principles. And that's one of our guiding principles is to fail fast, fail cheap, because we want to create a safe environment where we can innovate and we can try different things. Now, we are a small organization. We can't fail millions of dollars. And so we want to not be confined in a box. We want to be innovative, but we set some guardrails so that when we know, okay, we failed, let's celebrate that failure. That's good. We tried. Um, we gave it a good effort, but we don't, we're not going to keep going on it for pride. 
and we're not going to not try for pride. And so uh, we set guidelines around that. And I, I think it's helped us in doing some pretty innovative things. All right, I'm gonna ask you both a question because this is, again, I don't know the next time I'll have you both together. So I'm gonna ask you both this question because I, I'm anxious to hear how you respond to this. So thinking about you know, aspiring leaders, and you both have achieved the highest levels of accomplishments in your professional careers. What is one piece of advice that you would give to aspiring leaders who may be listening to this episode? And um, Jane, I'll start with you and then Jan, I'll, I'll get you to chime in. One of the things, Travis and I, I, I can name a number, but one of the things that I would say to aspiring leaders is confidence takes practice. It really does. and. I have to practice it every day. Um, I think we have lots of things around us that maybe shakes our confidence and maybe we have imposter syndrome and those sorts of things. And so I would advise aspiring leaders, find a mentor, find a coach, invest in a coach. They're really critical. And within that, you know, seek feedback, seek, seek, seek feedback from others and uh, there's something we do here called lollipop moments where we recognize when somebody's made a difference in our life. And we know in healthcare, we make difference in people's lives every day. Those that we have the opportunity to touch and treat. People make a difference in my life every day when I see them in the hall, when our team does something fantastic. And we call those lollipop moments. And it, it could be something very small or it could be something very long large. That helps build confidence. It gives, builds confidence in others. And it helps us have that heart for those that we have an opportunity to work with. So I would tell aspiring leaders, take, take, work on your confidence and find a coach and acknowledge when there's moments where you can recognize others. Very good. And Travis, I would say something a little different. Um, you know, I tell people, I think the reason that I've been a successful consultant is there's not a mistake a leader could have made that I didn't make. And I had the, I had the mentors in my life, Jane, that allowed me to make some of those mistakes and helped coach me through that to get to the other side of that. And I think part of that is giving yourself the grace to make mistakes and forgiving yourself when you do, but ensuring that you learn from that. And I have, I have so many experiences where I really did make sometimes fairly big mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes and I didn't make them again. And I think recognizing that mistakes are gonna happen, no matter how great a leader you are, you're gonna have a bad day where you do something dumb. And we, I, I still do, I'm Jane, I'm sure you still do as well. But I think recognizing that, giving yourself the grace that you had a bad day, and then learning how you could move forward from that and do it differently in the future. I think that, that for me, would be the advice that I would give younger leaders and, and aspiring leaders. Yeah. Jane, would you, would you add anything to that? I've made lots of mistakes too, Jan. So <laughs> as you've witnessed and uh, agree, give yourself some grace on that. One of the things that I think is important for new leaders is that they surround themselves with people that have diverse gifts and that they 
take advantage and draw that out of uh, those that they have the opportunity to work with. One of my favorite books, a book from years ago, is called The Wisdom of Teams. I really believe high-performing teams do the best work. And so I think when we're new in our careers, that we are trying to find a place for ourselves, but it's really working with that team. And then I would say the third thing I would add to that is model balance for your team. I really try to um, model that balance because there's, you know, when your CEO writes you an email on Saturday night, you feel like you have, you're compelled to respond to it. I really try to temper all of that because all of the team gives so much and I want them to have that downtime because then they can innovate and then they can come back refreshed after some time where they're not constantly in work. And so balance, I think, is critical to model and to expect in your team. Well, Jane and Jan, I could talk to you all all day. <laughs> Fact. Um, and I just want to thank you both uh, kind of reflecting and listening to you both, you know, coaching and giving yourself grace. I'm grateful every day for the opportunity to work, to work with you both. I hope this episode inspires others. Um, I know it will. And I just want to thank you both for joining us during this episode and maybe just maybe Jane, can we do another one? In sure. The future? Okay. All right. Cause <laughs> this, this, this was like kind of fun, like really, really fun. Um, <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you both uh, for a great episode. Thanks, Travis.